Hello and welcome once again to the Political Profundity Podcast from Modern Times Magazine, John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi. Today, Karen and I's lineup for our discussion today is we'll start with the latest Trump trip-ups, and then we're going to take a trip uh, to France um, with Donald Trump, and the title is Mr. Trump Goes to Brits. Um, And then we're going to discuss a little bit whether um, our president might be mentally unfit and what has been coming out from um, anonymous sources and very public ones. Um, And then we're going to be talking about um, some of the challenges that he's been uh, or that have actually come out and been public um, uh, very recently, um, uh, uh, Joe Walsh. Um, and then we're going to jump um, to the rainforest and talk a little bit about um, the fires in the Amazon and all the different political ramifications there. Um, and then we're going to discuss kind of quickly, um, you know, what's going on in Newark and their safe water issues, um, kind of like Flint revisited. And then um, lastly and very quick, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Hong Kong protests and kind of talking about um, maybe a defining image that's come out. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it's uh, two policemen. Uh, pointing pistols at a protester. Um, but Karen, as always, let's jump in with both feet and um, let's talk about um, what happened uh, last week at the end of the week. Um, uh, President Donald Trump's trade war finally kind of really went off and, and, and had its biggest impact on the stock market and global markets as well. Um, the Dow dropped uh, 600 points. Um, really on the uh, China retaliation uh, when they um, put corresponding tariffs on U.S. goods. Um, But then it was kind of a roller coaster through that time um, when Trump then ordered all U.S. businesses out of China. Um, And we can talk about whether that's legal or not or whether it's, I mean, obviously he's saying it is, but it's it's definitely not the intent of that law. And he never did declare a national emergency. But then on Sunday, he was saying that uh, the outlook good, looked good because he, yeah, he, he, there were several phone calls from China, which has been in dispute. Um, but Karen, this whole roller coaster uh, really, you know, it started a long time ago with the tariffs, but it really seems like, um, you know, it stopped going up into the clickety clack. Um, and then everyone started going downhill screaming and had their hair pulled back on Friday. Um, what did you feel um, about, you know, really kind of the ramifications? Was it kind of the long term um, ending to, you know, what we had seen as this build up and that the war is finally um, a shooting match, at least in this, you know, in, in the economic sense? Well, <clears throat> what what I find interesting, for starters, because tariffs are a highly complicated uh, topic. If, if this is so good for our country, why did the administration decide to not employ some of them so as not to affect prices for U.S. consumers during Christmas time? Uh, and there's a, a May 2019, this year, analysis that was conducted by CNBC. Yeah, that load of communists, right? I'm being sarcastic. But they found that Trump's tariffs are equivalent to one of the largest tax increases in the United States in decades. We've already seen what this is doing to farmers in this country. You know, it's doing to other certain industries. You have a lot of Wall Street tycoons who are nervous about this. And in general, again, just to make it clear who's going to pay for this, 
we are. The idea that that somehow the Chinese government is is going to yield to Trump based on his brilliant powers of negotiation, which, again, he doesn't have those. Um, it's really foolish and it's dangerous. And it, you know, the economy's already on the brink of of a recession. And when I say brink, it could be, you know, in a few months, it could be in a year. But by all accounts. Unless some, you know, big economic miracles happen fast, it's coming. And nobody welcomes that. Uh, certainly not Trump, because he knows for sure he'll lose next year. But I, I just, you see this back and forth with absolutely no clear sort of strategy from Trump. It's, you know, this kind of contradictory blizzard of tweets from him in the White House, which certainly doesn't instill a lot of confidence. It doesn't make Wall Street happy. Uh, it, it messes up the markets. It, you know, it makes consumers nervous because a lot of them already are wondering when the recession's going to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, again, Donald Trump is, is just horrendously incompetent in this. Uh, and he keeps shifting the reasons for this trade war. And it's not based on any real facts or evidence. It's just based on whatever seems to strike his fancy on a particular day. Right. This is not the, these are not the actions of a responsible leader or a business person. And the thing that I keep saying to people, and I think I've said it on this podcast, you know it as well, and I know our very smart listeners do, the Chinese government doesn't have to answer to voters. Right. It can do pretty much and respond in pretty much whatever way it sees fit. So China can afford to wait us out as long as it needs to. And you've, you've seen, and I know Trump brags about his great relationship with President Xi, which um, now an enemy, you know, I don't right? buy for one moment. Yeah. I think Xi, frankly, looks at Trump as a sucker that he can play. But, you know, and, there, and he may find it amusing, but eventually you suspect Xi's patience with this may run out as well. But again, at the end of the day, China has the leverage and the ability to stand up to us. And in, in the, if it really wanted to, and I certainly don't want this to happen, could do real damage to our economy. I, I just, Trump is apparently too stupid to understand this. Right. But you're talking about, you know, crashing. I, I'm going traumatic here because that may not happen. And let's hope it doesn't. Sure. You know, but you're talking about crashing our economy because he wants to play, you know, who's the bigger man here with the, the, the second largest economy on Earth. And yes, China has done things over the years which are unacceptable. And I don't condone them. But I'll just, I do say something that makes me unpopular in certain circles. At the end of the day, American consumers have allowed China to do this by happily buying and spending billions of dollars on its product, products because people here in this country, not talking about everyone, but enough of them don't want to pay full price for things. Fine. Okay. Right. You do that. You have to take what comes with it. And it's a country that, that flagrantly disregards, you know, worker rights other protections, currency 
you know, manipulation, et cetera, so forth ad nauseum. Um, again, if you had a responsible person in the White House right now who we might be able to, cur- you know, carve out some policies that would be the proper reactions to China and might even get China to kind of change some of its ways. That's not going to happen mm-hmm. because we don't have a responsible person in the White House. Right. Yeah. And so that, we- that's my main take on tariffs. And it makes me nervous. Just I'm sorry. It makes me nervous as a consumer. I certainly don't want to be paying, you know, three to five, even more four times more for products. But given Trump's buffoonery on this, that's that's where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we live in a global economy. I mean, we have to understand that. And I think that that's, you know, the important part um, is 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 that, you know, there's still China has a trade deficit as well. Um, Four hundred nineteen. Yes, it does. Uh, billion. Um, even though they send a lot of things here, um, you know, it, it, it is what happens. Um, uh, and, and, and there's, you know, the. The you know the grander idea is that there's 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 deficiencies in in being a uh, a negative on trade, um, but with the United States being the country that we are, um, if, if if anyone can afford it, because then we are actually um, not churning that um, for no use within our own country. So you know I mean you know economists make the argument both ways. Um, you know, it, it because we're a service economy anyway. We don't actually trade. That's not counted um, as as actual goods, um, and so it, it it also affects that. Um, you know, but there's just you know we we have to understand. I mean, I I'm old enough to remember, and again, you know, I have a son who's who's in uh, middle school now, and um, you know, so I've seen you know the education that kids get these days, and I don't know when it stopped. But I remember um, learning about the Holly Smooth, uh, the Holly Smoot Tariff Act, um, that um, that really hastened the Great Depression, and so, you know, that's why most economists had 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 realized that it, you know, what it had done at the time, and that it was a negative drag on trade, and so the whole global economy fell down because you couldn't just automatically start saying that that was going to happen. Nobody could afford it. Inflation went crazy. Things just fell apart. Um, but it seems like we've forgotten that moment in history. Um, you know, Trump is, is, is you, know, you know, fixated on that, you know, money's being taken out of the country. Um, you know, there's also markets that have, you know, we know um, those who are students of history. Uh, China was a closed system. It's been about 40 years since it's been um, really fully open. Um and now there we're, we're selling Chevys in China where we didn't do that before. It is a huge market for American <laughs> suppliers um, and even manufacturers now. Um, the impact on farmers, um, uh, you know, the other day I was looking and I don't know what it's been since, you know, a couple of days ago. But supposedly, you know, John Deere is down 24 percent because they're not no one's buying tractors for their farms in the United States. Um, and so. You know, they have negative consequences that we don't understand or, or that Trump doesn't understand, I think, is, is, is really where it comes down to it. Um, our government policy doesn't understand at this time by thinking that tariffs are OK. And, you know, the other element is that, you know, when 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 people look into tariffs, 
Um, it's supposed to be Congress that decides these things. Um, that same law that Trump wanted to um, rely on, the 1977 uh, Act, which again, I, it, you know, the current name is escaping me, um, where he thought, uh, where he says he can declare a national emergency and then he can he can order businesses to leave a country, um, were never meant. It, it was never meant to really fight a trade battle. It was supposed to be for when you were in actual physical harm or things had to happen um, where you could say you ordering Chevron out of Iraq um, before you um, invaded there. It was for those sorts of situations, not for this one. Um, And so again, it's really pushing the power of the presidency as we know, we've talked about uh, Bill Barr before and all that idea um, and, you know, Trump had, had, had ran on, you know, the fact that Obama was stretching the presidency too far, and he's gone beyond it, beyond belief. Um, you know, so those are, are, are some of the things about, about tariffs um, that I think that, you know, is, is kind of lost in the discussion, because we end up, you know, reacting to the fact that, you know, he, he'll say one thing and do another um, you know, he's just trying to make it up as he goes along. Even Friday when he was leaving, he's like 600 points. What's 600 points? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's people watching that going, well, that's, you know, you know, my, my retirement, um, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I just don't think he really grasps it. Um, you know, there even was some stories about, um, you know, his impact on, on Powell wanting to, um, uh, you know, cut interest rates was going to save him. Uh, and his company's millions of dollars. Um, so, you know, again, without us, without him divesting himself, um, there's so many things that a president has to deal with and deals with policy that could be affecting him that we just don't understand. Um, you know, but but staying on the on the, on the whole tariffs and the China war, um, you know, you know, we even have to move you know beyond it a little bit. And you know, he'll say that you know he's the chosen one to take it on. And, you know, that even by itself is um, um, a lie. Um, it wasn't that, that presidents didn't care. It wasn't that they were in China's pocket. It's how you do it without creating pain to the United States. So, again, if you talk about during, you know, Bill Clinton's term, um, we we're really developing that relationship with China. Um, it really was during George W. Bush's term and then Obama's term where we really started to see the effects of what was happening and, 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 to, and you know, even China stealing intellectual property, doing a lot of different other things. Um, and so it changed the nature of it. Um, and the, in response, really what um, most of the industrialized, industrialized nations in, in the Pacific, um, what Obama had done, it was a little bit of, of, of the long game and to get the Trans-Pacific Partnership passed is what they thought was the way to do that, to isolate China, for them to work together, to maybe bring more industry to back to Japan, back to Korea, um, and, and to really put limits on um, how they could devalue their 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 currency and what the punishments would be on intellectual property rights, but of course, just like what happened in Iran, and again, we don't want to get too far off off the topic here, though. By just hating something that Obama put out, his ending um, you know deal might end up being not much better than 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 maybe what we would have had initially from the TPP and. If he would have allowed it to go in and, and the United States had 
a big impact on it. It might even be better by the time his term ends because we could have worked out things or progress would have been made. And instead, it's it's the, you know, you know, he talks about being a great negotiator, but you're again, like you said, you're negotiating with people that don't have to wait. Both of our economies are relying on each other right now. And the other thing we've talked about in this podcast is, you know, the best way to to um, uh, limit tensions with the country, because I still remember people in the 90s and the late 80s being worried about fighting a war with China. Well, no one's really worried about that anymore or anybody with any real knowledge because they realize how tied we are. And, and eventually no one's going to want to, you know, cut both of those things. China's not going to want to tank the U.S. economy because we buy so much of their stuff. And, and when we have that relationship, when we have that economic relationship, it creates peace between two countries. We don't have to worry about fighting China because we're together. We want to keep a economic relationship with them, no matter what anybody says, because it only gets delicate and dangerous when we stop trading. Um, you know, just look at what you know. If if anybody who knows history and and what happened with Japan, um, their justification was it was that they we were taking their oil away. Um, and, you know, because we, you know, you know, because of their expansionist plans and what the J- Japanese did in China and in Korea, um, we decided that that was the way to go. But that's really what pushed um, the actual war to happen is when the economic side and their war making capabilities went away. We need to keep economic relationships with people in order to keep peace. Um, and, and, and that's really the whole driver, I think, that a lot of people don't understand about global trade is that if we're all trading with each other, um, we might be able to eliminate wars because of the economic situation. And, and so it's, it's it, you know, all of this tariffs, all of these trade wars could lead to real wars. And, you know, those are some of the things that I don't think people understand and, and, and are just dangerous for not, not just for our pocketbooks, but for our lives and, and for our children's lives. Um, I don't want to see my son end up uh, fighting a war somewhere. I want there to be peace. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Uh, you know, I, you make a lot of in, incredibly good points. Another part of this that I find interesting, and I, I, I say that in a somewhat ironic sense, because, sure. again, considering who we're dealing with on the U.S. side, and Trump, as you know, has insisted that he, he you know, had made calls or received them from China really wanting to talk about this on the trade war. Right. The Chinese foreign ministry is completely denying this uh, and saying, no, we haven't contacted Trump on this. Um, And then on a more ominous note, which, again, goes back to what I was saying, that China can wait us out. A quote from their foreign ministry, uh, the foreign agency for Chinese state media Xinhua, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. Is China did not and will not surrender. Right. So everybody just needs to keep that in mind. And again, I, yes, trade should be free and it should be fair. And if if one country isn't living up to its terms, it needs to be held accountable. But you've got to have if, if you're going to be the United States and you're going to be wanting these changes made, it has to come from somebody who is sincere and knows what he or she is doing. But Right, and isn't willing to hurt right now. and isn't willing to hurt regular people um, to to, exactly. to say that he's being tough because that's what you know your base wants, and, and uh, you know again that's why 
you know, Obama's approach was TPP and you get to get there without trying to blow everything up and then having to threaten or do hardcore negotiations when it's not just a business deal. It's not just a real estate deal. These are the lives of billions of people that you're messing with. It's not, you know, just between one millionaire to another, which a lot of Trump's real estate deals are. Um, he's just trying to get over on another rich guy, which, again, by his business record, he didn't do very often. But that was his approach at that time. Um, he didn't really have much an effect on regular people. And when you're playing these high stakes international economic games and, and throwing tariffs on an economy like China, um, you are. You're, you're, you're really putting billions of people at risk. Um, you know, you kind of segued into it a little bit. You were talking about, you know, the statements that Trump made in Baritz about, um, uh, you know, that, that they you know the Chinese had called him the night before. Um, but let's move into that topic, um, into topic number two here. Mr. Trump goes to Baritz. And, you know, and, and I'll, you know, before throwing it back to you and just kind of talking about the general feelings of the conference, I want to add on to those, you know, seemingly lies. I think there was, there was a bunch of them. It was that Chinese statement, which again, I don't know whether we believe the Chinese or not, you know, who knows, they might just be, you know, making them look stupid again in public. Um, you know, because obviously if they did make a phone call, maybe they didn't want it to be so public. Um, but who knows what happened there. But, um, you know, well, there, there were the two other, you know, here, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, you can answer, you know, that specific thing. But I just want to throw out the two others yeah. that really kind of seemed like almost direct lies um, while he was there. Um, the one was uh, he was yeah. meeting with Germany and India, so he couldn't make it to the climate meeting. Um, you know, and that's one we're going to maybe talk about. Um, but then also, um, you know, the incidental uh, that Melania had met Kim Jong-un and really got to know him and thought that he was really sincere when um, he didn't. Um, and, and so then, uh, the, you know, the press statement came yeah. out saying, well, he she hasn't really met him, but because the president talks about him so much, she feels like she has gotten to know him. Um, but those were, you know, I mean, most presidents can't survive three incidents like that in their whole term. Um, Trump managed to survive them, or at least, you know, he, uh, who knows? He might have put a dagger in his political future, but um, he he got out of it, and at least his base and Fox News wasn't jumping all over him after after three foibles like that. Um, you know, again, you know, the floor is to you whether you want to touch on any of those or move on to something else that happened at the G7. I just, look... I think in general, it seems like the legitimate leaders in that grouping, Trump's not being one of them, basically decided they were going to forge ahead without him. Mm -hmm. uh, they, but they didn't issue a communique because, of course, they knew Trump would agree to nothing they wanted. Uh, they pressed ahead with some you know, proposals to deal with I know we're going to talk about it shortly, the, you know, incredible ecological crisis going on in the Amazon right now and, and just other efforts to combat climate change, again, which Trump doesn't believe in. It's a quote unquote Chinese hoax. So I, I but, you know, it, it was interesting to me and in that several observations I had about this. Yeah, and we, we read the backstories that the other host na nations didn't really want to sort of trigger Trump because he is such a snowflake, right? Apparently, by doing or saying too much to piss him off, so he could, you know, complain about them and attack them in a tweet because he's not enough of a man to say anything to any of their faces. That much we know about Trump. He's a massive coward. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they were trying hard not to upset him. And of course, another thing we should mention, Trump was constantly pressing to let Russia back into oh, this know. group. <laughs> it was the G8 until 2014. Russia invaded the Crimea for absolutely no valid reason. Um, understandably, the other nation said, hey, you know what? This is not acceptable. You know, don't bother coming back until you get your act together. And Trump constantly pressed other leaders to let Russia back in. And I will, even though I still think, frankly, I think people like Angela Merkel and, and Emmanuel Macron, uh, especially because they're really considered now sort of yeah. the drivers really of the leaders of the free world yeah. anymore. Sure. Yeah. Um, and Trudeau, I, I, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau to a lesser degree. Um, to their credit, you know, they made it clear, no, we're not letting Russia back in. They violated a lot of norms and, and, and international laws, and you can forget it. And even Donald Tusk, the yeah, president EU of the president, EU, yeah. made a very strong statement against or the European Council president. I'm sorry, not the president of the EU. There's a difference more in some ways. But he said, no, <laughs> forget it. Um, so I, I do commend them for for not accommodating Trump on any of that, because we all know why he continues to show so much fealty to Vladimir Putin, which is just some of the most obscene, craven, un-American behavior I've ever seen from somebody who is, well, Trump isn't a legitimate one, but who is president, technically. Uh, I've just never, we've never seen this kind of knee pad behavior ever in my lifetime from somebody who occupies the highest office in our land. I mean, I, I, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I thought that uh, it was Obama that lost Crimea. No, I'm you know again oh, right. being yeah. completely oh, Obama, uh, sarcastic. <laughs> I I don't mean to interrupt. It, that is just again, and and of course because he is insanely jealous of President Obama, because Obama is the man Trump is never going to be in his miserable excuse of a life. He sat there and told that lie that that it somehow Obama was to blame for this. Look. President Obama made some very serious foreign policy mistakes during his tenure. We've discussed them, and to this day, you know, you can't defend them. The last time I checked, though, he didn't tell Vladimir Putin to, in, to invade Crimea. Okay, so it is just as usual, more pure and utter bullshit from Donald Trump, because he knows he looks like a fool, and he's got to do something to, to counter that, and it doesn't help him. I mean, I, you know, if I could talk to this guy without getting physically sick for five minutes, I'd just tell him, dude, you really got to start growing up here. You might even get reelected if you, you do, which none of us want, but nevertheless. Um, so I, I just, I also thought, we haven't mentioned the UK, and of course they have a new prime minister, right. somebody who frankly isn't, instills no confidence whatsoever in the way Donald Trump doesn't. But I will give Boris Johnson a little bit of credit he pushed back publicly against, number one, the tariffs, and number two, letting, letting Russia back in, which that was a pleasant surprise. And again, I don't trust Johnson really as far as I can throw him. But, and I, I suspect it, this may also come from him not wanting to look like Trump's poodle, the way one of his predecessors, Tony Blair, 
was looked like, looked at, was looked at by British people in terms of his acquiescing to George W. Bush on the Iraq War. We might call Tony Blair was at one time a very popular prime minister in the United Kingdom, uh, got reelected twice, but by the time 2007 rolled around, he was such damaged goods, he just, he left and Gordon Brown took his place. I know, a million years ago. Um, and I think for Johnson, there may be several reasons here, but he, I, I suspect he's, he's probably part of this is for his own political sake. He knows he can't get too close to Trump. but And, and so I do credit him for saying no to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Abe, I think, of Japan, you know, again, I, I don't think he made any kind of difference. I certainly don't think the new leader of Italy he made himself look very good either. Uh, by sort of going along with Trump, albeit not loudly. Um, but the, you know, of all the lies Trump told, the one about skipping the climate meeting, because he doesn't give a damn about any of that. That's pretty apparent. Mm-hmm. Claiming that he was actually meeting with Merkel and the Indians' prime minister, Narendra Modi, uh, they were at this climate meeting. So, again, just another lie from Trump. And Macron claims he did have a long, I, and again, I don't know if I believe Macron on this, to be honest. I, I think we've seen since he became president of France, he's been really trying to work with Trump as much as he can in hopes that it'll really yield some positive results. And I, I think in general, I hate to say that it's been a waste of his time. I can understand from one angle of why, but you know, at the same time, look what you're dealing with. He claims he had a long, rich, and totally positive discussion with Trump about the Amazon fires and an international effort to reforest them. I, you know, I and but I, you know, I we've heard and seen nothing from Trump that he cares one would about that. Uh, so I, I think in general, this was just another a, a G7 meeting that where Trump is not taken seriously and for good reason that he accomplished nothing of any merit. Um, and that, you know, we, we have to look for real leadership on certain issues. I hate to say this from people in other countries. Yeah. John, this is how far we've fallen. It, it breaks your heart. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there is an election coming up, so we hope our democracy works. But, you know, before we, yeah. before we get to our next topic, because I think, you know, talking about the last little bit uh, that I think is important to talk about what happened at the G7 is also going to, you know, you know, jump into all the discussion about Trump being mentally uh, fit or not. Um, but um, it was one of the last real bits that he, 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 or the last headline that he really gathered at the G7 was when all of a sudden he basically was announcing in front of everyone that he was going to move or that the G7 next year in the United States was going to be held at the Trump Doral Golf Club in Miami. Um, and then he seemed to ramble on a long time about, um, you know, how great the club was, what seemed like an advertisement for the Trump Doral. Um, he seemed like he was trying to inform the world on the word bungalow, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, cause we call them bungalows, like, uh, like, you know, most people haven't heard the word bungalow. Um, yeah. And, and John, it's a good bet. He only heard the word bungalow just the day before. <laughs> well, well, you know, he might've been impressed by it, you know, 15 years ago, but I think, you know, he still was impressed, um, uh, you know, with the word. Um, but anyway, um, you know, it, 
well, you know, one that might be the first real clear and direct um, tie to the emoluments clause, um, unless all of that gets donated, which there's no way that it would. I mean, supposedly, um, a report I saw this week is that supposedly the Trump organization has donated around three hundred forty thousand dollars to the U.S. Treasury for the profits that they make out of uh, foreign governments pl- paying money into their, uh, pro- you know, properties. Um, but there's no way to really check whether that's the real profit or what's going on. But if you think about, um, you know, say it's 10%, um, that means, you know, they're getting, you know, 3 million plus um, so far from, from foreign governments, um, which you would think, um, you know, by itself should be, um, you know, noticeable, um, but where the line is drawn. But the, just the whole um, exercise of it, I think, and I think the blatant... Um, you know, it, 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 you know, there's times where I actually do think he wants to get impeached to get removed so then he can blame other people, you know, and, and kind of like the whole time he's doing that, I hear, I hear Scaramucci in the back of my head going, he's a paper tiger, he wants out, um, you know, and, <laughs> and thinking, you know, he's wondering, especially like with tariffs too, he's, he's, he's laying down the law going, God, I thought Congress would try to stop me, um, you know, and, and, and it seems like he just, you know, he, you know, but again, I don't know. I mean, you know, the whole idea, I think, has been that, you know, people have said, is he is he that bad or is he playing, you know, uh, interdimensional chess, right? Is is that, you know, that whole argument, um, you know, and he's probably playing tiddlywinks. But, you know, whether he really wants to, you know, be there anymore, but if, if he can, if he steps down, you know, he doesn't want to, you know, carry the label of quitter. Um, and so he wants to go out, you know, fighting, you know, it's like the fake drag out, you know, it's like he's, he's, he's acting like he's being dragged out and he's the righteous man, but he was, he's really happy that they're dragging him out and sending him on vacation, um, you know, for five years or until he dies. Um, and, and so that's, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it seemed completely ludicrous. Um, and especially at the time that it would be, it, it's, you know, he wants to bring Putin to the next G7 and then he wants to have it at the Trump Doral. Um, you know, isn't that political suicide? And, you know, certainly outside of Trump's space, you know, people are not in favor of this. I mean, again, wouldn't it take any independent Trump voter? Okay, and go they, ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just saying, don't you think any independent voter would run away? I mean, and that's who, who he really has uh, to, ca- I, you know, we know his base is going to be there, but it's, it's it's those others. And don't you think, you know, Republicans who are on the fence or independents would run away from that sort of situation? Oh, I think most will. I, I look. Trump's already in a lot of trouble with that particular voting group. Um, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent of Democrats would never vote for him under any circumstances. Uh, so, yeah, this is just—it's again. This is the, the these are the actions of somebody who is simply not connected to reality and does not give one crap about how just blatantly corrupt that this proposal is. And by the way, this would be the same Doral Resort that had a bed bug infestation recently. And the Trump uh, company had to settle with the person who who was the victim of it. So, uh, you know, if I were Macron or Merkel or Conti of Italy, I, you know, I said, no, 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 no. Let's go to Camp David. <laughs> Unfortunately, again, they can't, they can't force Trump to change it. So unless maybe somebody with any sort of decency in that administration, and that's pretty much, I, 
I don't even know. Yeah, and, could and, talk to them and say, look, dude, you really should not do this because you're going to be hanging by a thread next year. Anyway, uh, and the only other thing I want to say about this, again, I, I hate playing the what if, but what if a Democratic president, Hillary Clinton or, you know, if it had been Bernie Sanders or whoever was in office right now and proposed doing the same thing, you know, Republicans would just be going ballistic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 24-7 Fox News would be making this the banner story every hour. And you know what? They'd actually be right because oh, yeah, this sure. is simply unethical. But again, we're, we're talking about somebody who has no ethics. I, I just let's let's hope maybe somebody can get him to change his mind and they do this at Camp David or perhaps another type of more neutral fight and not a bed bug haven in Florida that I, I don't think anybody wants to go to. Yeah, and you know, I think... It- and without, without Vladimir Putin, because Putin is... Russia is not part of this group. And so, you know, he, they should he has be. the right to do it. But And, you know, and, and, you know, and they shouldn't be. Uh, you know, when you invade a... a an area with you know you have your troops take off their 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 russian insignia um you know it was underhanded and and and, you know anybody who actually looks at the information um should know that um but so you are you know so i guess you know down to this question before we move on to you know the you know the the uh uh, the, the the candidates that have declared so far to run in a Republican primary against a sitting president, which is pretty un, you know unique and notable on its own. Um, but do you think he really is mentally unfit, or he just doesn't want? I mean, or is it that he's just corrupt? Um, you know, I guess because that's what the discussion is there. Um, and you know, and just so I'm not just putting you on the on the uh, uh, on on the spot here. Um, you know, I would, you know, as far as people that say he's mentally unfit, um, I would say he's mentally unfit because he's not educated enough to be the president. Um, I don't know if he has Alzheimer's or anything else, um, but um, I just think he's unfit. He was unfit in 2016. Um, he was unfit before to have the highest office in the land because of his experience. The fact that he didn't hold a, another political office before you become president should just be... Um, you know, horrible. I can't believe people voted him into office. So my answer would be yes, but not because of any illness, which has recently developed. Well, John, I, I would not agree with you on that. I think Trump is clearly mentally unstable, not only in his actions, but in just the way he speaks, just sort of these bizarre rambling speeches he gives. Uh, I, you know, he goes, you know, again, goes off on these rants. You see these bullshit press conferences he'll hold by the Marine One helicopter and <laughs> uh, just the general attitude in the way he, he is. That is not these are not the actions or the behavior of somebody who is mentally sound. Now, there have been various theories as to why, as you just said, possibly dementia, possibly narcissistic personality disorder. He could have another type of mental illness. And we'll never really know because there would be, you know, unless somehow an actual psychiatrist observed him and there was testing done to determine exactly what was wrong with him, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, there's certainly not going to be anybody volunteering that. Right. Um, but, you know, this is just, look, the last few years just have been insane. That's yeah. always the word that comes to us. Yeah. I could not imagine Hillary Clinton acting like this in this manner or Ronald Reagan 
or right, George right, right. W. Bush or anyone that has been president. And Maybe we've had Ronald presidents Reagan. that had their problems. This man does not act like a normal, decent human being. No, no, no. I don't know right. the reasons why, but he clearly should not be in this office. And I, well, I can't agree with you any more it. than that. I mean, you know, I do agree with you. I just think, you know, he was crazy before. I don't think it's anything that's developed yes, over time. Yes, he's, he's but, been, there's been something wrong with Donald Trump for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I, I, he's always been, frankly, a bad person. But I think his faculties have started to deteriorate. Blah, you know, I can't pronounce the word right now. So excuse me. But <laughs> That's okay. He, we won't, says, we, you, you know, Karen, we're not going to assess your, your, your mental faculties because of that. Well, thank you. I just <laughs> the man clearly does not act in a normal, responsible, reasonable manner. Okay. Hey, so and before we Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I'm cutting you off here. No, that's the point I was going to make, John, and I uh I I think that's just nakedly apparent by, you know, just observing him every day. Yeah. Now, look, we've had president I'll just say this. We've had presidents I've disagreed with vehemently. Right, but right, I did right. not feel that that they were mentally unstable. <laughs> There's a huge difference here. This man is right, which is why so many people are alarmed about him. And I understand the Democrats, if they're you know whoever takes him on next year, if we're still stuck with him, uh, you know they're going to have to be careful with how they handle it. But Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post, who is a very conservative columnist and a very strong Trump critic. You know, she has a pretty simple slogan, you know, stop the craziness. And it's not just because Trump himself is not all there. It's just the insanity and right. the, the constant just trauma and exhaustion around his administration and policies that are not doing this country any good. Right. And, and, and you know, so I, well, like you were saying, and I think that's why there are some um, who are now challenging him and primarying the, the sitting president of the United States. Um, you know, uh, right. a former governor, William Weld, who also ran as a libertarian four years ago as the vice president, I believe he was, uh, Gary Johnson's vice president, um, or, you know, candidate. Um, and now Jill Walsh <laughs> recently. Um, and let's talk about that. But the last little bit of, of, of backing I want to give to what we were talking about, the mentally unfit thing, and we hadn't talked about it yet is the whole idea of, of, of nuking hurricanes. Okay. Um, uh, that's our president. Um, but um, that, you know, it's it's some of those reasons that that why uh, Walsh uh, and Weld and maybe Sanford and, 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 and God knows who else between now and February, because I don't think we're going to be done. Uh, you know, the president is now being primaried and he's not even being primaried late because people just want to get it out there. Um, he's being primaried now. Um and, you know, because you also never know, he might either quit, be removed, and, 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 and they're in a position to actually, you know, you know take it by doing, now, uh, by, you know, by doing it now. This is not just a, a protest, uh, you, know, you know, candidacies. I think these people are seeing and, you know, m- making a political calculation that, you know, there's a good chance he's not in office come November or even come, you know, uh, August when they have the Republican convention and they very well might likely become the Republican nominee just because they're the only ones with their hats in the ring at the time. Um, anyway, um, you know, with that being said, um, you know, we've kind of talked about Weld and, and, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not anything to sneeze at. He's obviously an educated guy. He's a little bit more libertarian. 
Um, not as much as under the mold, at least under the current kind of base of Trump. Um, but Joe Walsh is. Um, you know, he's, he, he did the round saying, I'm sorry for what I did against Obama. I'm not really a racist. I'm, uh, I kind of gave birth to Trump. I gave birth to this whole, you know, attacking, uh, you know, uh, you know, horrible uh, attitude that we have in politics these days to go after people personally uh, when we disagree with them politically. And and now he's running. Um, what do you see from Walsh? What do you see from Weld? What do you see from, you know, anything about, you know, Trump's primary uh, future? I think, first of all, you know, Joe Walsh and, you know, he only served one term in his district in Illinois. Uh, Johnny Duckworth beat him and then and she's now one of the senators. He's a massive jerk. And his <laughs> oh, own personal nice. history is one of. I'm sorry. I said you're being overly nice. <laughs> he really is. He's not. Look, he's not a nice guy. Uh, you know, I, I've seen footage of him, you know, yelling at people at town halls and, and just generally highly unpleasant. Um, he has a history of being a deadbeat dad. So uh, this is somebody with a certain amount of baggage. Now, mm. I'm under no illusion, as I know you're not, that he's going to end up winning the GOP nomination next year. That is I think we have a, a greater chance of, um, uh, you know, of uh, aliens coming down to planet Earth and landing. Okay. <laughs> but I will say this. He's absolutely right about Trump, that Trump is unfit, that people are sick of him. And I will say, you know, the Trump campaign kind of, you know, smirked this guy off for now. But I want to take people back to 1992. We had a president in office named George Herbert Walker Bush, who at one time in the year before, John, after the Gulf War had concluded, had an approval rate of 90 percent. And I, among many people, thought, yeah, he's going to get reelected easily. There's no one, no one who's going to be able to defeat him. Well. (laughs) Now, besides, several things happened, but one of those things, and it's the lesser reason that Bush lost, but it was Pat Buchanan, former Nixon aide, sure. longtime you know, political pundit, also yeah, a terrible person, NBA. like yeah. Trump is, a, race, a, a flat-out racist, not sure. a good guy. He primaried Bush because Bush had pissed off a lot of people in the party with doing the right thing by raising taxes in 1992, prevent the recession from worsening, and it still happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just by generally at times being a responsible, reasonable, moderate Republican leader, how dare he, yeah, right? Right, right. Um, at any rate, so, and Buchanan damaged Bush quite a bit. And even was allowed, he was so, you know, effective, he was even given a speaking slot at the 92 convention, which was a disaster because that really alienated a lot of moderate yeah. voters. Well, yeah, um, but Karen, yeah. I mean, you know, we we all live through '92. We know that that the reason why right. well, HW lost is because of Ross Perot. I, well, that's part of it. That is part of it. I'm that's, saying though, that's, that's where I'm going with this uh, is is Buchanan did weaken Bush during that particular period. Sure. And my back to Walsh. I think there is a chance if Walsh can get enough support, some money, get enough media attention. He may just damage Trump, too. And and it's going to ultimately what this is going to do is the Trump campaign is going to have to spend a little extra money to combat this guy. 
So yeah, I, but he's I, got I do not billions see and billions of dollars. Uh, it's not going to be a big problem for him, all right? I, I, again, I think Walsh could damage Trump, but several. But there's going to have to be several other dynamics in place uh-huh. for that to happen. But uh, you know, it's uh, again, you just you have William and William Weld is a decent man who, I, I, you know, I, I certainly think a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing if he did become by some miracle the GOP nominee. Uh, that he's definitely got even slimmer chances than Walsh does. But right. what's going to be interesting is that the Trump campaign is not going to be able just to ignore either one of these men, especially going into New Hampshire and some other primaries next year. So uh, all I can say is, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this. Joe Walsh is not anybody I want anywhere near the presidency, but he is right about Trump. Mm -hmm. So uh, just, uh, you know, get some popcorn going and see where all of this goes well you know and i think that that's the you know i think there's there there can be some parallels between 92 and again you know we uh, i mean it, it it was very clear you saw what happened in the electoral college what happened in the in the, in, in in the vote clinton won with less than 40 percent it was really the largest yeah. third party candidate that would that had that, that ever placed and he took those votes from bush now you know, you know, Bush was vulnerable because he lied. Uh, read my lips again. No new taxes. Oh, yes, um, that's and, true. And then he lied about taxes, and then he raised taxes, and he was a Republican. Um, so uh, yeah, it did make him vulnerable. That. But you know, without 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 Perot and his money, and really, you know, Perot was the first coming of Trump, just in a shorter little package. Um, you know, saying I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not beholden to anybody. It would have been just as horrible. And you know, coming from Arizona. Um, it was like, you know, Ross Perot was the second coming of Ev Meekum, uh, the same kind of crazy, uh, you know, uh, chief executive. Um, but, you know, that's what I also see with uh, with this 2020 race. Um, you know, when if you have somebody jump in at that point, if you even have, you know, you know, if, you know, say Jeb Bush or anybody else wants to run as a third party against Trump in the general election, there is no way Donald Trump gets out of it alive. He just doesn't. I mean, you oh. know, and when I say alive, okay, before the Secret Service comes down on me, I mean politically, okay? He he just doesn't make it politically um, because you have anybody with, with, with um, uh, conservative credentials that are um, standard or from the, you know, early 2000s, 90s, he doesn't make it. Um, you know, he, he can't get reelected. You were going to say something, right? Yeah, look, I, I, I think, well, just, you know, you're not wrong. Trump is in a lot of trouble one way or another. Now, again, I do not, cons- no one realistically, realistically expects Joe Walsh to win the nomination next year. But again, he yeah, could seriously damage Trump and just weaken him. I, I'd say between that, if Trump's got some real primary challengers and if he gets impeached, I mean, he really slumps into 2020. So fine. Good. I welcome it. Um, you know, but again, we, I, the only decent person challenging Trump is William Weld. Joe Walsh is not a nice guy. Sure. So... Yeah, I no, I agree with you. Uh, Walsh is 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 one of those things where you know you it's 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 it seems good that at least there's more Republicans willing to jump ship at this point um, and oh, understand absolutely. that absolutely. you know there has to be a point in time where you go, 
you know, country over party. And, um, uh, you know, and at least he's making that call, whether, whether he's doing it, you know, for his own personal reasons or not, I don't know, but, you know, I just don't think there's any chance because his, his real base is the same base as Trump's. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll see what happens. And I do, you know, I would like to, you know, predict now we do get a conservative third party candidate, um, on the left, the none appear, um, and everybody jumps behind that candidate. And that's why no matter who it is, they win. Um, and you know, um, because it's not even going to be that Republicans are going to have the deal to worry about, oh, whether it's a quote unquote socialist, um, which again, anybody who enjoys social security should realize that they're already, we're already partially socialists. Depends how far we want it to go. Um, but that's going to be, there's not going to be a choice because, the uh, Republican side, the conservative side, the right side of the aisle here at this in, in our country is going to be split from Trump to somebody else. And uh, depending on what Trump does to uh, to to uh, uh, tank his own political future, at least with only one election left in his life, um, he might um, he might actually come in third um, the way he's going. Uh, 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 Another third party candidate might get it. I, I, I still don't think primary voters are, 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 are just by their nature. They're kind of the sheep that walk in line and, and, and they're not going to ever oust a president in a primary. I could be wrong, but I just don't see that maybe by the time we get to November 2020, a third party who's more conservative can can actually out poll Trump. Um, are you ready? No. We kind of move to another for, you know, from a from a, a, a dumpster fire to the actual an actual fire um, in South America. Um, are you ready to talk about the Amazon? Yeah. And if you, it, and if so, the floor is yours. It's depressing as hell, it, but yes. It is not very happy, is it? No, it is an absolute horrifying ecological nightmare that's happening down there right now. You know, I got most people who have been following us at all know that the big swaths of the rainforest in the Amazon have been on fire for the past month. Um, And the number of fires in Brazil, it's the highest on record since 2013. It's up by 85% from last year. And let's not kid ourselves, you know, deforestation has been happening in the Amazon for a long time. Um, And I I just can remember, you know, it started to become an issue in the late 80s to the early 90s when so much of it was being destroyed that, you know, understandably, environmentalists were really worried saying this, this could have detrimental effects for, you know, the entire planet because, uh, you know, the Amazon is called the lungs of the planet for a reason. It's, it's just a massive amount of trees that provide oxygen. Now, before anybody says, Oh, well, we have trees other places. Yes, we do. But there's a reason why a lot of environmentalists are alarmed about this because of the effects it could have on global air quality, never mind just the thousands of animal and plant species that are just being down by this right now. That in itself is, is a tragedy. Um, and all to make, you know, room for more soybeans and, and for cattle to graze. Um, of course, one of the reasons this is happening is because of who Brazil's president is. His name is Jair Bolsonaro. And, Again, I just don't mean to go negative on everyone, but this guy is another one who just, by all accounts, appears to be a sociopath. 
I mean, he campaigned on, we're just going to open up the Amazon. I, I don't give a, a crap about any, you know, environmental needs. Uh, it, it's, I, we've obviously, you know, other Brazilian world leaders have condoned some of this, but I don't recall previous Brazilian presidents just being so gleeful about it. And that, that alone is, is alarming. And, and of course, another thing I didn't mention are the indigenous tribes that have lived in these forests for thousands of years. Their whole livelihood and lifestyle and existence is threatened by this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is just an extraordinarily bad thing that's happening, obviously. Um, now, we, we talked about the G7 in one of the proposals, not by Trump, of course, because, again, I, I just want to say this right now. Don't expect any leadership from our country on this. Well, Donald Trump know, doesn't care. I mean, care. he has, now, he has, he has offered yeah. Bolsonaro, you know, assistance. Um, you assistance know, in, in putting out the fire. Who knows what that means? But otherwise, I'm, I, I'm just, I, you know, I mean, credit where credit's due, I guess. You know, at least he's said No, something. I'm not going to give him any credit for it, John. And frankly, he, the only reason he's doing this is because Bolsonaro has the same mindset he does. Otherwise, I don't think Donald Trump would give two shits. That's about fair. helping this country. I'm sorry. I'm no, not, that's fair. I'm going to push back on that. No, that's fair. That's very fair. Of you. Hello? Karen? Hello, Karen. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Can you hear me now? <laughs> I got you. Sorry, technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry about that, everyone. My apologies. No, go ahead. As most... Most people have heard the G7 did offer $20 million in a package package to Brazil, which Bolsonaro rejected. And this is where this gets more bizarre. Apparently, he felt slighted by Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, because Macron had offered some, you know, pretty, pretty severe criticism. Of course, and I hate to go off on this, Bolsonaro retweeted something insulting Macron's wife. Again, world leaders should not be acting like this. And understandably, Macron was offended by this. Another thing I found amusing about Bolsonaro, he rejected the money, and he's he's generally responded to the criticism as, you know, northern colonials, you know, giving their opinion. I don't know about you, but I find that pretty amusing coming from a man who is part of Brazil's and white elite power right. structure exactly. complaining about colonialism. That is massively hypocritical. So I, you know, this is extraordinarily troubling what's going on here. Yeah, whatever suits say, your political the, um, rationale, right? I mean, for someone like him, you know, if, if, if he's a colonist when it suits him and he's not when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I, I think the G7's amount of money offered was paltry, and they should have done better. I, I think that every major nation should be offering services to help put these fires out. But I, I think, unfortunately, and, and look, this is Brazil's land. It, it certainly has, you know, its sovereignty in that respect. Nobody's denying that. But when you're talking about burning down enough of a forest that it starts threatening the entire world's ecological status, that's a problem. 
And to people who claim, well, the fires will be out and eventually it'll grow back. Yeah, it'll grow back in many years and the, the species destruction will never be fixable. And I would just say to anybody who doesn't care about that, are you willing to wager your child's or your grandchild's future on this planet on that if they can't breathe properly? You know, I, for one, am not, you know, I wouldn't be willing to do that. I think we should err on the side of caution and be doing everything we can to help NGOs and the Brazilian government itself to stop this or slow down this destruction. And, uh, John, an idea I've been thinking out about, you know, not that, you know, Jeff Bezos would take my phone calls, but honestly, this is really a situation where you should be having the most powerful and wealthy people on earth combined their income, not their income, but their money and their influence to go to Brazil and say, hey, we'll give you $250 million billion in aid. You know, no strings other than you, you stop or slow deforestation and let, you know, some sensible people come in and manage how this forest is going to be resourced. I, I don't well, think that's a bad idea. And, well, and I, no, I think, I mean, frankly, you know, money it's... is going to be needed here. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad idea to take, you know, uh, money from the uh, folks that I think uh, are making, you know, billions and uh, putting it to the right things. But, you know, you can't force that, that situation. And, you know, the other thing I think, like you were saying, um, it has been noted that the Amazon Fire tablet was trending um, at the same time that these Amazon Fires were going on because when people search for Amazon Fire, they, they were getting advertisements for um, some products from Amazon. Um, so yeah. Um, but you know, uh, there's, there's a reason why that name, um, really connected with people and it was because of the, 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 uh, forest, um, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I looked it up to find some of the information, 20% of the world's oxygen, 10% of the uh, biodiversity on the planet uh, is in the Amazon. Again, we're not in dangerous, in danger of losing the whole thing. Um, fires are natural, um, but these aren't natural and it is the dry season in the Amazon. So there are always going to be fires, whether it's, you know, from one thing or another, but they're usually human, you know, created at the time because the dry season means there's no rainstorms. So they're not being started. Um, so you need a meteor for it to be natural. Um, but it does happen right. and, and, you know, we only can hope that it's going to get better because as you mentioned, um, I think there's more people willing to go to uh, Area 51 here in September than than would be willing to go to the rainforest to do anything about it. But you know, it's one of those it's one of those things where um, you know we've lost a, a you know human beings do what they do. Um, you know, uh, it goes back to um, um, I, I I don't I don't necessarily uh, or here it is. It was the Matrix. Um, uh, you know, human beings are a virus and they spread um, and they kill everything they touch. Um, so, you know, um, you know, we're part of that. I feel, you know, you know, just as guilty, but you know, who knows? I mean, it's, it's just all part of the system that we live in where people will destroy uh, natural resources instead of embracing it. Um, you know, I was reading about biomimicry recently. So, you know, talking about maybe that's a, a path forward so we can, you know, maybe that's another thing we could think about. Um, but yeah, obviously, um, we need the oxygen too. Uh, anyway, um, we're ready to move on to more great environmental news and what's going on with safe water in Newark. (laughs) Well, another thing, just back to our discussion on Amazon real quick. It should also be mentioned there have been major fires burning 
in countries next door, you know, surrounding Brazil. Mm-hmm. There are fires. There have been fires in the Arctic. Uh, and, and this is different. But the Trump administration is looking at lifting logging restrictions in Alaska's Tongass National Forest. It's the world's largest in, intact temperate rainforest. Just, you know, think about that. But, um, yeah, the, the, the crisis in Newark is a different one. It's a water crisis similar to what's been going on in Flint, Michigan, um, where the pipes have flood in them and it's contaminated the water and done all kinds of, you know, damage. Uh, you know, elevated levels of lead can seriously damage child's health, health excuse me, and do irreversible brain damage. Um, it, it just seems like we've learned about this in the last few weeks. Now, the good news is one of the New Jersey counties, it's called the Essex County Improvement Authority, is going to lend Newark $120 million to replace the pipes. Um, but from what I've read, roughly 12,000 people have no access to water at all unless they're getting it from, you know, from bottles. So there's a pretty serious uh, situation for the city of Newark. And Hopefully, the leaders that are dealing with this have learned lessons from Flint. And, you know, that situation has not fully been fixed. And you just have to wonder, John, how many other communities may be facing this in the near future? Um, So it's going to take, you know, better infrastructure. It's going to take solid leadership on the part of states. Obviously, you know, (laughs) the federal level. We need much better leadership from the EPA and certainly for Congress to do its part as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. It's interesting. I was I was watching. I had nothing else to do at that moment. The VMAs, the MTV <laughs> oh, Music Video Awards. You from, didn't which watch were, that, Karen, did you really? I, I watched a little bit. Oh, that's okay. I, I didn't care. I still you know, love you. Didn't care for it, but it's it was interesting. I thought this is in Newark, and I wonder if anybody there attending. And again, I, I'm, so, I'm assuming probably people did, but I wonder if how many people really knew what was going on there. So I, this is just, you know, I, I think this will be resolved and hopefully the people who are without water now are able to get it from their tap again in the very near future. But this to me, it's, it, it's just another highlight of greater infrastructure problems in this country oh, yeah. um, with lead piping being, one of the bigger ones. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I that's the train I want to jump on um, with this topic, too. And, you know, we know that it's not good, but I think it's the general uh, misunderstanding, and I think people don't really grasp it, I think, to a certain level. Um, we've been such a throwaway culture, and a lot of the stuff we've built, especially in the last 50 years, has been all throwaway. And um, the way capitalism works is you have to keep expanding. And then when you reach a certain point that you need to fix infrastructure, um, that doesn't really work well within that whole model. And how are we all going to get there? And how is this country going to handle that um, when um, renovation and improvements to old existing uh, structures and systems aren't really the way to go? Um, I think the one bit of hope for the exactly just specifically for the people in Newark is, is that they are so close to New York City. A lot of people that 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 work in New York City live in Newark. It's a it's a very tied situation. So I say that, you know, the difference between Flint um, is Flint is in is an impoverished community surrounded by a larger, a largest 
but their largest city in that state is just as impoverished and falling apart. So, you know, you have Flint and Detroit, but then you have Newark and New York City. New York City has the same sort of challenges, and their infrastructure is in need of work, um, but you can't rebuild that city um, for what it's worth. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen? It's going to happen all over the country, um, you know, and, and, and being in Phoenix where it's the home of, uh, it's really the, 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 the center for a post-World War II economy. And everything that's been built here has been um, not really built to last for 100 years. And what do you do um, with everything that we have here as it's some of it's starting to reach 50 years? Um, and the buildings don't age like the old structures did in some of the um, Rust Belt areas. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a crisis. It's we have to understand that. Um, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to live in Bisbee where they had to redo the water situation, the water system and the and the, and the sewer system because they were all built in the late 1800s. And um, some mm-hmm. of them were wood. Um, so, you know, it's 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 something that I think is going to be increasingly more important. We know about the roads, but we don't understand about the water systems, the electrical system, our basic points of, of, of what really makes us civilized in the current day and age, having access to clean water, um, having electrical power, um, being able to travel on roads. These are all things that have been paid for over, um, you know, the last 100 years. And how are we going to um, make it go to 300 with, while at the same time still expanding? And that's where the conundrum comes in is how you fix what was already there, but still expand. Because if you don't, then, you know, that's the nature of capitalism that you then have downturns if you're not expanding. And, and, and so that's, that's the challenge, I think, for our country in, in a nutshell. And I know coming from a water system in, you know, uh, along the coast of New Jersey um, is, 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 you know, might seem a lot, but it re- or, a, you know, a big d- uh, gap exists between those two topics, but it doesn't. It's really the same topic. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up as well. Yeah, again, I, I just hope that this can be fixed soon so these pe- the people in this city can, you know, drink their water with some assurance that it's not poisoning them. And, um, you know, it, it, it's good on the Essex County Authority for um, making a step in the right direction. So here, hopefully the next time we hear about this, that, you know, it's better news. And I, I stayed in Newark, and you make an excellent point about its importance to New York City. Uh, and all of New Jersey, I mean, New Jersey is a very important state all on its own, but no question, it is right. strongly linked with the state of New York and with New York City. And so, you know, this is something obviously, I, I'm sure New York is, is is not ignoring either. Yeah, but you know, but I am surprised that the New York media system hasn't put um, enough of an uh, focus on it. But, you know, there might be other reasons because everybody's so consumed yeah. with Trump. Um, and, and, and what's going on in our political discourse. But, um, uh, and, and, you know, I don't really know exactly how many of people it's impacting and whether they're being able to overcome it. But again, it's more of a symptom of a greater sickness in the country at the time. And we really need to reinvest. And, and, and hopefully, economically, we find a way to make that happen. Because without with extensive GDP growth, um, rebuilding our country in our older neighborhoods and everywhere else we've been, is going to be difficult because, as we know, we just kind of abandoned the Rust Belt and, and everybody moved west. Um, and and uh, now where where do we go? There's no place else 
Um, so now we have to improve the places we're at. Um, even those, uh, uh, you know, you know, sunbelt areas like, uh, Arizona, California, um, Florida. Um, you know, the last little bit I wanted to mention, and I, 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 I kind of, you know, pulled this one out and, um, uh, this is my little short take here. And I don't know if anybody else has seen it. I don't know if you had a chance to, to actually look at it yet, Karen, but, um, there, there there is, was an image taken by New York times photographer. And there's also an accompanying image where he was kicked to the ground right before that. Um, they gave him a, a kick to the chest and he just popped up and, uh, held out his cell phone and his umbrella and, um, two Hong Kong policemen trained their pistols on him. And supposedly, um, if you can ever actually read the story, because it's locked behind a paywall, but we do have the, uh, we will have the link just to the JPEG um, available um, with with this podcast. Um, And supposedly he was screaming, shoot, shoot, you know, or don't, you know, don't shoot, don't shoot, like stop, you know, don't do this. Um, There had already been some gunfire done in that day. Um, some people say it's, uh, you know, kind of, you know, this this round of uh, Chinese government opposition, it's that image that compares to Tiananmen Square in 1989. Um, it, it, it is, you know, one of those photos, I think, definitely, you know, being somebody who's looked at, at news photos for, for more than two decades, it's one of those that really captured me. Um, I hope, you know, I just want, you know, want to make sure that more and more people can look at it. It really is indicative, I think, of the of the of the challenge and the strength that these people are having to having to you know really you know grab onto and really show within themselves um and what you know uh what you know you know true heroes are and a lot of times it's not the law enforcement people it's it's the other folks um you know in Tiananmen Square those were soldiers the ones that wanted to run the guy over in a tank um so anyway, um, just a great photo. Hope people get to look at that. Uh, if you haven't, yeah, I think if you search for Hong Kong protest pistol police, you'll find it. Or, of course, look at it on our um, on the Modern Times website for this podcast. Karen, uh, yeah, you... no, it's it's an incredible image. Uh, Karen, you got anything else? Have I have I jumped too far, or or you know, let's no, just no, uh... I I think just to me this photo. It shows how far Hong Kong residents are willing to go to keep their freedoms. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an important lesson for all of us. Not that we want it to come to where law enforcement is pointing a gun at protesters. Of course not. Right. But, you know, often change only happens when people do get out. And, of course, they should be protesting peacefully always. But there will always be forces that don't necessarily welcome that. Uh, I think the last few years in our country have have shown why protesting is more important than ever. We've seen, you know, public pressure has pushed a lot of Democrats in Congress to come out and support either a flat-out impeachment of Donald Trump or at least start the impeachment hearings. Whereas two years ago, and obviously there were other factors involved, but there was no talk of that. And it's happening not only because I think many of them believe it is time to hold Trump accountable, but because their constituents are pushing them. And it not only happens that way, it happens when people show up and vote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have more power than we think. It just depends on how we use it. 
uh, as always, Karen, you find the great way to end our podcast every time. So uh, again, I just want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the discussion. Um, uh, thank everybody for listening. Um, and yeah. you know, you know, as always, thanks, thanks for teaching me. Um, and, 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 and also giving me faith in the humankind. I mean, that's one of the greatest things I think you can get from friends and colleagues who, who, um, who can do that for you. Um, so anyway, thanks again, Karen. Well, those are, I'm very humbled by that. And thank you, John. I learned a lot from you too. And I appreciate all our listeners out there. And just one quick thing, everyone, you know, there are things you can do in response to the Amazonian crisis. Uh, donate to the World Wildlife Fund and other legitimate organizations that do, you know, positive things down there, uh, and just stay informed because this is something that affects us all yeah, and in one way or another. You can also get involved so. in your local community, as as we had in the uh, Modern Times Magazine Consciousness Calendar this last week. There's a lot of local events where you can uh, do things which will go either locally, um, ecologically, and then also you can do things which will impact uh, what goes on around the world. So. Good point, Karen. Amen. And, 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 Amen. And again, thanks again for making it. Um, I'll talk at you soon, Karen, and we'll talk to everybody else next time. Thank you. Ciao.